It's Jason Carter, and you're listening to The Desiree Show. This is Tyrone Olson, and you're listening to The Desiree Show. Holla. Greetings, and happy Wednesday. This is The Desiree Show. First downs and flip tricks. It is the 28th day of September. Texas to NorCal today, dropping in with a soul-ripping skater, a pioneer in so many ways, uh, and a great human uh, I'm blessed to know Matt Field will join us just in a few moments. And at the bottom of the hour, I'm going down to Texas. Someone who was in Nebraska and Kansas City this last weekend visiting his former teams. Uh, former cornerback for the Kansas City Chiefs and Nebraska Cornhusker for life, Eric Warfield, will be joining us. And uh, without further ado, um, I'm uh, super excited to really a warm welcome to amazing creative pioneer, phenomenal skater and owner uh, with his own unique styles and consciousness, uh, probably the best nolly anything out there, and he just dropped a super sick part on Transworld site last month called Bright Moments. If you haven't seen it, you definitely want to check it out. I'd like to introduce Mr. Matt Field. Matt. Hey. Hey. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> no, I'm super hyped. Huge, huge thanks uh, for making this happen. I really appreciate it, Matt. Um, <laughs> Sorry, those are some kind words. Thank you. Oh, I, well, there was more. There's more. There's more. I could give you more. Um, well, when you get older, it's easier to take a compliment. So I'll take whatever I can get right now. <laughs> well, I, okay. Well, what I will say is that, you know, I think I've known you since about '98, and every time I see you, you have the most unique and warm and truest smile. Um, and in your heart and in your eyes. And it's always been so awesome to see you. Wow. Uh, cool. So, anyway, so the, with that being said, now, like, uh, how about them Dodgers? No, um, <laughs> are the Giants? <laughs> Giants, how are they doing? Um, I, I should know. We uh, should know. You should know. and uh, I should know. I, My son knows. Your My son, son knows. knows everything. My son knows every stat, every every sport, every stat, every percentage. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I actually, yeah, Andy Kuno would be a good one uh, to uh, hit up on how that's going on. I should actually look at his. Okay, so, no, they're not playing yet. So, yesterday they they uh, outstandingly 12-3 uh, to 3, um, over uh, Colorado Rockies. So. <laughs> But with that, we're not going to talk baseball tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited, you know, and huge congratulations. Uh, Bright Moments just came out uh, about a little over a month ago. First part for you in about six years. Um, something you've worked on for the last year. And I've read, I mean, Dave Shammy actually wrote, and I'm sure you've seen it, but seriously, maybe very well the best yet. I hit up oh. Matt, you know, about this part for you. Um, What t- you want to tell us a little bit about that quickly, right, right off the top of the bat? Uh, well, Bright Moments is a uh, kind of it goes um, the Richard Hart's magazine push periodical, and it's more about the search for those special spots. So uh, you'll hear the word sprinkles. And we get a little sprinkle in the strangest of places if we look at it right. <laughs> Not to quote the Grateful Dead, but <laughs> um, but yeah, like we just find the most amazing little things in little nooks and crannies all through the city, and just. Uh, more undiscovered spots and stuff. It was really about not ever going to a spot. It was about finding and making our own and just having it being especially unique to that personality, uh, whoever was skating it. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, just more about the architecture, more about San Francisco, just more about the essence, more about getting to the spot, just looking for the spot and what happens in between those those connections with friends meeting up with new people you know seeing people you haven't seen in a long time um and what what arises and how they support you when you're trying your trick or whatever it's like it's so important to us it's kind of crazy you know like i'm 41 years old and like i'll be sitting there 
beating myself, like bleeding everywhere, mm-hmm. trying a trick over 50 tries just to get it. Like, what What does it mean? Why? Like, what? Like, it means something. It means a lot. I don't know what, but it's just something that we, as skateboarders, you, you, it's just what you set your course on. It's just like, this is what you want, and you just want it, and you're going to, give everything you got feel you get it and sometimes you don't and sometimes you do and usually you're stoked um i just kind of got back into skating because i just kind of with filming and stuff for bright moments was i just reached a low in my life and i didn't really have much and i just remember when i was felt the richest and the most fulfilled is when i was skating with my friends so it was just so important for me to just reconnect one one last time where I, why I still could. Um, no, not that it's over, but I'm just it, it was I kind of I felt like I'd been done for a long time. So I kind of made a special intention to really kind of fire it up this time and uh, you know kind of oil up joints and get out there and kind of, you know, shed and shred new bod. <laughs> no, I mean, and it worked. I mean, I think this was so well received and I mean, people are odd and, you know, and you mentioned, you know, you mentioned roots and, you know, and I, I, I think about you and I know that you also are gardening and, you know, you like to get your hands in the dirt and I feel like it's almost a, like a parallel to your career and to your sort of mindset of, you know, planting seeds and amending soil and yeah. growing and watering and loving. And how did this sort of philosophy come come about for you? Uh, I don't know. I guess with, you know, watching Tommy Guerrero skate, you know, he was like the root. And I was nine years old and he planted a seed in my head to go to San Francisco to bomb down a hill and I was like holy shit I'm gonna go do this and the roots you know just kind of grew little by little little connections uh you know took a lot you know it took moving back and forth from the east coast a bunch of times to really find that root and really plant those and grow those roots and feel planted and feel grounded and feel like supported by the community um it takes a lot um especially when you're on your own uh at a young age and have children and stuff and you're trying to give them good roots as well um so yeah i I think roots and you know i kind of was always into the the reggae vibe too earlier on skating and i kind of always fused all that stuff together that i don't know i think i've been good at just kind of fusing all these different philosophies into my own unique life source and force (laughs) uh, to give me strength and, you know, to feed me. Um, I know there's tons of people that would love it if you could bottle that. (laughs) Bottle it? Yeah. (laughs) Or, you know, Uh, (laughs) sorry. I don't know if it'll give you wings, but... Um. <laughs> no, no, no wings. <laughs> Just a lot of inspiration, um, you know, because you, you, you are, you're able to somehow, I mean, life happens for all of us, like we all go through our adversities, um, yeah. our ups and downs are, you know, and it's kind of, you know, staying, somehow finding your groove or your niche or your balance or your grounding, how do you ground yourself, um, mm-hmm. how, how do you, how do you do that? Uh, there's a, I kind of, I feel like I kind of suffered different types of PTSD kind of stuff, um, growing up. And, um, I do kind of like a, uh, kind of like a technique. It's, it's used by like, a lot of vets do it now. Um, it's actually called, it's, it's, it's an old philosophy, but they kind of put a new twist on it. It's called um, Yoga Nidra, and it's like a kind of like an eye rest kind of thing. Um, and it just really is um, about kind of notice those feelings, thoughts, 
sensations, uh, pain, um, emotions, um, heartbreak, you know, just all those things and just, just let it get arise and notice it and just becoming a little bit more aware and not just going off the deep end every time something bad happens or just thinking you live in this tunnel of darkness. Um, I don't know. I just kind of, um, so yeah, I have, you know, I have therapists, kind of guru teachers, yoga people that have helped me and guide me and have, uh, helped enlighten my path. Um, Cool. Yeah, it's it's done a lot for me in the past couple of years. Um, really, just kind of, you know, not going to drugs and alcohol to to check out or try to mask emotions and feelings. But it's just too easy to do, and you just got to grow up once in a while and uh, be there for other people that need you to be strong. Yeah, right on. If you're just tuning in, I'm joined by Matt Field. You can follow him on Instagram um, at Field Rasa. Uh, my phone's not for some reason. I can't load. Um, I'm Field Rasa. Field Rasa. Okay, I was right. <laughs> okay, good. My memory. The old trap is working. Um, you know, and Matt, you mentioned that, and when you were talking about that, I'm thinking of Woodward and '98 after Europe, and I think you and Matt Pale's doing yoga for us for everybody, <laughs> right? <laughs> Or did I, I just, think so. Was that right? <laughs> I just had a flashback moment right there. Um, I don't know. We we're confused a lot, Matt Hales and Matt Field. Um, we're kind of like these two. Um, like I, I've kind of gotten to the point where I'll just say, "Oh, thanks a lot." People will go, oh, I, "I loved your uh, part in Think uh, Damage video," and I'd be like, "Oh, thanks." Because I never wrote for Think and never like was in that part, but they've confused us over the years, and I've kind of, you know, I, I kind of feel like we kind of help each other once in a while, and we're like, damn, you, uh, you switch one of your nose grind uh, uh, waller or whatever, uh, you know, some ledge, and and it wasn't me; it was him just doing it regular. <laughs> yeah, no, well, no, no, but I think you both, I thought you were there, and then I thought maybe both of you were there. That's why I was, that's, I was thinking maybe both of you guys were there, but I might be wrong. Hmm. I, I thought you were there, honestly. Um, but, I mean, um, this is... I was at Woodward in 92. Maybe Aaron was talking, maybe my husband told me about maybe some yoga stuff you were doing there. But I, I yeah. could be I could be wrong. But I, we did bring yoga there, and I, you know, I would show do yoga stuff with Barker and stuff, and he was always a counselor there, and mm -hmm. he would, you know, try to kind of, you know, yoga is just it's it's kind of crazy now. Um, I live in a town that is just like everywhere, and when I was originally getting into it, it was like these like small little studios you really had to seek out and they would only be like in Santa Cruz, California, you know, there was not much, you know, to find. And now it's like whole foods and yoga every fucking where. And that to me is like, uh, on something like that, I kind of get so unattracted to it. Yeah, but too. yoga is the one thing that it's just like, you got to look at it as just, just like personal growth um in everything you do it's just union of per you know don't be confused by the word it's just about growing and growing roots and um you know yeah. energy comes up and just like the, the plants do you know they take energy from the sun and hence the sun salutations you know uh, the basic format in any you know yoga asana no, it's and I feel the same way. I'm always turned off when something gets that big, and I get pretty disgusted with all the yoga poses on Instagram. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I get totally turned off by it. Um, you know, because yeah. there are a lot of good things for it. But you know, let's you know, let's shift to. I'm going to go shift way back. Uh, New Jersey, uh, born in born in New Jersey. Um, you know, talk about this little t this town you grew up in. I have a lot of respect for my East Coast friends. I know you moved out to San Francisco, and you just mentioned back and forth for quite a while. But uh, talk about growing up there. Oh, my God. 
It was pretty amazing. Um, well, I lived in Edison. I don't know. Uh, Mike Voelli's from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Pastris is from there. Um, Rodney Smith, who started Shut New York, mm-hmm. is from there. Um, it is a special little town. Um, it was like a 30-minute train ride, death train ride from the Twin Towers. As a kid, I would go to every 12 and under ESA contest and, you know, we'd be taking the path train into New York City and, you know, skating all day and it was was incredible. Um, And then the fact that Mike V lived in our town and he's a couple of years older than me, so he was very influential on how I looked at skateboarding and stuff and he was kind of a street pioneer. He really kind of took the East Coast raw powerhouse to the next level. And, you know, he was, uh, he is very special in that way. Um, And that really inspired me, really, a lot. (laughs) I remember so many moments of just, um, like, how could I, you know, know, when you think about those moments that really stand out to you when you're little, Mm -hmm. So much of it had to do like that a certain time and a certain era, and a lot of it had to do with like people like Mike V and Rodney Smith and Chris Pastras. They were like, they were like, just they were just light years ahead. It seemed like, and they were from the East Coast, and people on the West Coast were sweating what they were doing, and it was like, what you know, and. I was kind of somehow born into that little circle, and it kind of it kind of sparked something just, which is just be yourself and you know do you <laughs> whatever they say, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always kind of like I don't know. I've never been much of a like the stereotypical skateboarder. I've always been to into a lot of things outside skateboarding and kind of always try to bridge the gap and kind of bring them, bring those things into skateboarding too, mm-hmm. um, especially things I appreciate um, and turn other skaters onto them and not have to be so pigeonholed on what you can like and can't like as a skater because when we were growing up, it just seems like you were, you know, you had to listen to Dead Kennedys and Black Flag and be a skateboarder. And, you know, like, I don't know. Um, no, it's cool. Yeah. Pastors was on last week as well, and uh, I, I was cool. trying to get a quote from him uh, on you, and I we, I just couldn't connect with him. But um, I'm going to, like, sort of, I'm oh, going all over the... Stories. He knows a lot of <laughs> stories about me, that's for sure. Yeah, well, no, and Rodney, I just, I mean, Rodney was his god, godson, or god... What Godfather. God, Godfather, yeah, and I mean Rodney's just amazing, anyways. But it's like it's such a special part um, in Jersey, and such an amazing group of, of athletes that are, or skaters that have come out of there. Um, now yeah. I do have um, Matt has taken me far throughout my career. We've traveled the world together and share many great memories. Love you, Matt. Carl Watson. Oh wow! <laughs> you got that from Carl? Yep, I got that from Carl. And uh, so um, just a lot of respect for you. Yeah, no. And you mentioned as well, you've kind of always had this sort of different sort of you learn to be yourself and to have your likes and what you truly are. You've also been able to start some brands way ahead of the time uh, as far as sustainability, um, you know, organics, um, yeah. you know, using different products, um, being conscious of our earth. I mean, in way before it was, again, way before it was sort of trendy and, and I'm, and it's a good, yeah. it's a good trend. I'm grateful that that trend is happening, but how did you get sort of, how did that happen for you? Or how did that, you know, kind of evolve for you? Um, I mean, I was just into it. I just, you know, I just, I think it was like my sister and being on dead tour, <laughs> like 14 years old. Um, but, you know. No tie dye. Um, <laughs> no, thank God it wasn't tie dyes. Well, it was a little bit. I remember some tie dye stuff, but. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there was. There was some tie um, You know, with, with that whole thing, though, I kind of just knew that I had to, um, 
I needed to jump into some kind of business venture, and I don't know. I had a I had friends that they were like growers and different things that had money, and they you know want to do brands and stuff because it was a way to legitimatize their money and stuff at times. And you know, I don't know how some of the things happened, but they started working and I had a good, um, it was about my community. It was about my, my brotherhood of friends that were like-minded. Um, mm-hmm. so that kind of helped a lot too, that I had lots of support from, you know, it's like, and that's what I don't feel right now in skateboarding. I don't know. I'm not going to mention these big corporate companies and brands and stuff. But it's like anyone can put together a big fucking team and have these amazing riders, but there's no, like, consistency in the community of, like, I don't know, togetherness. It's every, you know, I I don't know. It's, I'm not kind of, I don't want to talk bad about any any brands or anything, but, you know. um, No, I agree. But I think it, I, I, I really am more attracted to, like, the teams that, you know, that are really, like, tight, like, that are all, like, share a consciousness together that are, you know, they're all unique, but they all have, like, a, they all put in their two cents, and that's what makes it such an unbelievable brand. Now it's, like, everyone's, you know, a lot of these brands are just, like, everyone on the team is just out doing that next dude and who's that next dude and he's just the same dude as that last dude and whatever, you know, like I felt like the brands that I wanted to put together, everyone had like Matt Rodriguez had a unique mm-hmm. thing that we needed and like, you know, Carl Watson had this unique thing that you pull in and Nate Jones and Matt Pitt, you know, like we they all had this uniqueness that made it a whole and that's, what made it special in some way. Um, I just wasn't ready for the, uh, I mean, I had lots of success and I, I did pretty well. Um, but at the time I just wasn't ready for the business side of, um, big business moves and stuff. I, I was very immature on that level of talking about money and making business decisions and, doing things that I didn't believe in just to make money um, really rubbed me the wrong way. And that was kind of like the headbutt uh, with me and my money guy um, with iPads and stuff when I started to have to do things that I definitely wasn't into um, just to make money or sell to these stores just to get sales. Um, that's when it kind of just kind of really left a bad taste in my mouth. I just didn't want to do it. I just couldn't, I couldn't, I don't know, I couldn't, like, support it at all. Yeah. And it created, I created harsh relationships within the brand, and that's like a virus, and that's like, you know, you need antibiotics. <laughs> um, yeah. No, and then you've, I mean, and you've also, the thing is, what's crazy is you're only 41, and yet you have been a part of, you know, the 80s, the 90s, 2000s, and the 2010s. I mean, or, you know, these last four decades, you have been involved in skateboarding and see how it has evolved. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it's... It, it has, like, such, I hate to cut you off, but it's, like, it's at the most amazing point I've ever seen it, because it's, like... It's all those things now. It's it's. It used to be like, it was such a premature sport that it was just like, here's this, here's this, and then everyone did this, and then everyone did this. Now it's just at this beautiful place where everyone just transcends all those decades, and it's just, just do everything, and that's what I want to see. I want to see people just being in their body, present, and doing what they want to do and showing their where they come from, their their style. Style's important. Yeah. Well, you you in from somebody who's got a lot of style. <laughs> no, I mean I on your board and off and off your board. Um 
you know, we're running out of time, unfortunately, but I know that there's, I, I do want to touch quickly. I know that you have a guest board out right now on uh, Magenta, and um, you've got something else happening. Um, I'm going to open up the floor uh, for you to uh, share about this new board coming out, and if you want. or Oh, yeah. Uh, Magenta, I mean, what a privilege that, that I was so blown away when uh, Soy and Leo and Ben Gore asked me to have that guest board, um, and especially how it was like a uh, kind of like a tribute to things that I've done in the past, um, which is why I got the board. Oh my God, there's the hugest spider out my window. Holy crap. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, it was just kind of blew me away that, you know, and it looks really cool. It's like one of the coolest boards I've had. So I was really stoked on that. Um, yeah, and magenta is exactly what I like in skateboarding right now. Um, it's probably one of my favorite brands, too. Um, it is, uh, you know. Um, now, there's something also in the works. I don't know if it can be talked about yet or not. Um, and I'm doing stuff, um, doing little things with this other company, which is very, uh, more of a graphic-driven brand called The Killing Floor. It's out of Portland. It's um, a guy named John up there that does it. Um, kind of go back... Um, a long ways, and uh, it has uh, it has some it has some Rafa to it. it it's very graphic driven. He's a really amazing graphic artist, so the boards definitely have a lot of feeling. Um, and uh, I don't know. I've been supporting them for a while now, running their boards. Um, he's been able to send me boards, you know. So I've been writing those, and they're really good. Thanks, generator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know those graphics are really cool too, and the and your and your yeah. guest board on Magenta is amazing as well. And I know that there's other stuff people should definitely want to follow you uh, on Instagram because yeah. there are some there is some stuff like ahead um, that people should keep their eyes open for. <clears throat> and yeah. we'll leave it at that. Um, I just, you know, huge, huge. Footwear's um, coming. Everybody. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if we could say that. Okay. So that's so everybody heads up. Footwear is coming, so um, definitely go and follow Matt um, on Instagram uh, to keep up to date with what's going on. And also, you can watch his garden grow <laughs> on all <laughs> levels. <laughs> so, but Matt, much thank respect. You. No, much respect, and thank you so much uh, for your time tonight. I wish it was longer. Uh, I look forward to seeing you soon, and you know, just so much respect to you and and what you what you've done and what you what you're doing. Yeah, you're amazing. Oh, right on. Thanks, Desiree. Thanks, everyone who tuned in. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, support Desiree. She's right a good on. girl. Thanks, <laughs> Right on. All right. Peace. Namaste. Peace. Namaste. Bye. All right. Cheers. All right. Cool. Much thanks, uh, Matt Fields there. Um, Matt Field, uh, you can follow him again on Instagram at, at Field Rasa. Uh, definitely heads up on this new footwear and also... Um, the Killing Floor, and go check out his board on Magenta, and you can follow those guys also on Instagram. Uh, you can find them through Matt's site, uh, Matt's Instagram handle, or mine, Desiree underscore Astorga, or The Desiree Show. Now, coming up next, um, I'm excited. We're going to go back to Texas. Uh, again, I'm sorry we have to cut Matt off a little too early, um, but coming up next, we're going to Texas to check in with Eric Warfield, who just got back from his alma mater's. This is the Desiree Show, and we'll be right back. This is Desiree Starga. Thanks so much for tuning into the Desiree Show, where skateboarding and the NFL meet. First downs and flip tricks. You can follow at the Desiree Show on Instagram or on Facebook, or check me out on Twitter at the Desiree underscore show. All right. Welcome back. This is the Desiree Show on World Tune Radio. Uh, first downs and flip tricks. And I'm uh, really excited and a huge warm welcome um, to our next guest, he is calling. We got him all the way from Texas tonight. Uh, he actually shifted his, his schedule as well to accommodate us. Arkansas roots, a Cornhusker for life, drafted in the 1998 draft by the Kansas City Chiefs, a cornerback who's played in the NFL through 2006, finishing his career in New England. Mr. Eric Warfield. Eric. Hey. Huge thanks How's again. Going? Good. Thanks How's so much. Problem? Yeah, I really appreciate you making the time tonight to make this happen for us. Uh, first off, you had a pretty phenomenal weekend. You had a double reunion 
Uh, went out to Nebraska to Lincoln uh, for your Cornhuskers game and then straight to Kansas City for a real special induction. Uh, you want to give us a little bit about that weekend for us? Well, the the Huskers actually played in Chicago. Oh, uh, <laughs> oops. Northwestern. But I actually got to see the team before they left, um, chatted with them a bit, then moseyed on down to Kansas City for um, an induction of one of my teammates. Uh, Tony Richardson was inducted into the ring, uh, ring of Fame for the Chiefs. And so during the halftime, uh, I was more more so like an alumni game. So a bunch of the old guys, and they even had the former cheerleaders come out to uh, line up and bring us out on the field. So it's a pretty fun, interesting weekend. Right, and uh, with an exclamation mark on that defense, uh, with six turnovers and uh, two for two for fourteen points or th- th- for twelve points. Defense did well. <laughs> Phenomenal. You know what? Almost almost made me want to dress out to go back to play that game. I mean, and out picks left and right. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was getting uh, – you might want to go play catch with uh, Mr. Fitzpatrick. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're just tuning in, I'm joined by uh, Eric Warfield. You can follow him on Instagram at eawarfield44. Uh, now, you grew up in Texarkana, Arkansas, okay, a relatively yep. pretty small uh, city, but a twin city bordering both Texas and Arkansas, or Arkansas. Yep. <laughs> I can't even say it. Um, take us through growing up in Miller County. It was different. Uh, born in Mississippi, Vicksburg, Mississippi, and I moved uh, to Arkansas at the age of 10. Um, I was basically a little country boy uh never really been to the city and i'm ba- i don't know how i'm, I'm calling texarkana the city but <laughs> we moved from a small town in, in vicksburg to what we thought was the the city of texarkana and you know it, the culture was a lot different uh environment was a lot different uh even the you know friends that we got to know and grew up with uh, was all a bit different. You know, you come from a, a southern lifestyle of living to uh, what you think is the city, and you you know you're uh, you're now witnessing the bad things that you've seen on TV. Like I really never seen many fights in, in, in person. I'd never heard of anybody being shot. So there was the gang violence and all this other stuff that went on, and um, but. Uh, having the right guidance at home uh my mom she she had instilled in us you know the good values and morals of what to do and what not to do what you know what situations to avoid and uh as a kid so kind of stayed out of trouble as a kid yeah no that's um that's a big shift um you know from a smaller town to a bigger town how now, sports for me saved my life. Um, I mean, it's so cliche, but it, it sounds pretty pretty true as well for you. It somehow kept you. Oh, definitely. You know, um, and now those, co- you know, I mean, you, and also in that city, and granted, you said you moved there when you were 10, but I mean, there's, I mean, there was, I mean, Rod Smith came, you know, six years your senior, um, two-time Super Bowl champ. Um, there was a couple other players earlier in the, you know, Don Don Rogers, uh, which uh, a very sad um, ending, um, but Parnelli Jones, like the Indianapolis like 500 winner, way back. Um, what, now, did any of those? Did Rod Smith, or I mean, six years older is a big difference. But was there anybody in that city um, or in that new community? You said your mom that helped you sort of. They kind of gave you that hope. Well, I, for some reason, when we got there, I. I turned into to some sort of an athlete because uh, I was always shy. Um, I participated, but I didn't. I was afraid to give my all and uh, didn't socialize uh, as much. And so when I finally hit high school, one of my coaches came out and wanted me to uh, run the hurdles. And so first, practice go through the hurdles i get the form down and i go over this thing just as smooth as he did and i had no idea how or why but it became my event so after um 
becoming good at something and not, you know, just average like the rest of the kids, uh, I started to develop some confidence. And um, going into high school, uh, I immediately played with the varsity team and was just varsity, varsity, varsity from then on. So uh, I have to give it, give the credit to that track coach now. But the the one person that got me to go to Nebraska was Rod Smith. You know, Rod came mm-hmm. back and had, had had known and heard about um, me and a couple of other guys that were you know kind of standouts on the football team, basically standouts for the for the high school. And he had asked uh, what kind of letters we were getting for college and what was our top choices. So I'd gone through a few, and at that time, I think I had letters from basically any college in the United States. So I was looking to go to Oklahoma, Arkansas, uh, Miami, Notre Dame, and UCLA. Um, wow. But... I ended up taking the one to Arkansas first. After that, I think that's when I talked to Rod, and Rod said he wanted to kind of look at some of the letters, and so I brought him uh, a few, and he looked, and he looked, and he saw Nebraska in there. He saw Nebraska in there a lot. And I was like, dude, have you even considered this? And at that time, I didn't know where Nebraska was. I didn't know Nebraska had a football team or anything. And here it is. They're one of the top football programs in the country i think they were top five at the time mm-hmm. and ended up playing in the championship game that year so he said that you should really look into this school here like i really think it fits you and so i ended up taking a visit after uh, after that and fell in love with the place and the rest is history yeah well no and then it seems uh, i mean and this it seems to be a constant vein with your with your career as well as from you know tom osborne notably will be in the hall of fame for coaching um you know you mentioned that that championship game and i think there was two back to back i mean he had a crazy yep. that stretch i want to say it was like i have it written down uh just a crazy stretch of winning i think there was only like three losses and 60 games um, you know, during a span of few years, what um, you know, and then also Dick Vermeil, and then you know Marty Schottenheimer. Uh, I think he resigned right before you went to Kansas City. Uh, well, my first year was with Marty. Oh, it was with okay. I was yeah. okay. So and Marty Schottenheimer, and then you know some crazy stuff happened over in Kansas City, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the the role, I mean, Tom Osborne. What was it like to be you know a, a Cornhusker and to be coached by this man? Hard to describe, yet easy. Uh, he's one of those to where he doesn't speak loudly. He doesn't show anger. Um, doesn't swear. Um, but you get his point. And he's like almost is almost like being around a grandparent that you don't want to disappoint or let down. Mm-hmm. Um. So you would do anything in the world for this guy because you know he has your back 100% that he would do anything for you. Uh, he got to know each and every individual that was on his team, whether you were walk-on or whether you were scholarship guy. Um, and he knew much of your background. So that meant that he took time to get to know each and every person that was on his squad. Um, you know, and a lot of us, as far as myself, I came from a single-parent home, um, I mean, I had father figures as far as uncles, but yet didn't really have that guidance from a guy. Um, you know, have those conversations with a guy until I got to college, until, you know, basically started with Rod. So, uh, yeah, that's Coach Osborne kind of in a hand, in a, in a ball nutshell. Um, just one of those that very knowledgeable of the game, um, carried himself in a way that I've yet to see any person um, to this day. And it's kind of similar, and I don't know how it works this way. It's almost like <laughs> Coach Riley at Nebraska right now mm-hmm. has studied tape of Coach Osborne because he's almost got that same persona and personality going. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I'm hoping 
that the program can get back to, you know, its winning traditions. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't say that uh, these kids can be what we had, but, you know, you'd like to see your program back on top again, and I think he's going to head it in the right direction. Wow, that's great, especially from an SEC uh, former player, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, mean, I just saw my records. It was uh, Osborne 60, you know, 93 to 97 season, 63 and 0 record. Yeah. Unbelievable. Crazy. So, um, you know, huge, unbelievable. Um, and now, if you're just tuning in, I'm joined by Eric Warfield. You can follow him on Instagram at EA Warfield 44. Um, Nebraska. Twitter is the same account. And Twitter is the same account. Okay, great. Now, you know, now, now, a transition here. I want to read something as well. Um, uh, former teammate of yours, Michael Booker. He said, one of the best safeties slash cornerbacks out of Nebraska in a long time and really elevated his game in the pro level. He kept getting better and better. He's a phenomenal guy, a great guy. Um, Michael told me that today on the phone. Wow. What do you credit your increasing performance from, you know, such a phenomenal program to going to Kansas City? You know, the hardest thing I ever had to deal with in, I don't, well, I don't want to call it the hardest, but one of the hardest things I've, I've had to deal with in life was that transition from uh, playing safety to corner. I had never guard covered anyone one-on-one. And for whatever those coaches noticed in me, I didn't see it. Um, yet it made a, a, a pretty good career for me to where, you know, I got to start majority of the, the time I was in the NFL and, you know, put up some pretty decent stats. But um, the parts of it that were tough uh, was I was not ready and prepared for the you know, the, the scrutiny that came with it. You know, you can go and have a, a, a great game, not give up a catch, make every tackle, and yet you can give up that one big play that loses the, 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 the game for your team, and yet you're posted all over the newspaper and front line on the news and of, of how bad you played and, and, and how you lost the game. And, you know, coming out for introductions for, for the games, you're hearing people boo, you know, when your name is called out. And so that was the hardest part for me was having to deal and understand that that was just a way of life. You know, I had that was something that I had to go and deal with, and that, that caused some problems uh, for me outside of football. So uh, which kind of all goes back into kind of what this past weekend, you know, I didn't want to be a part because I don't, I don't. I rarely get back to Kansas City. It was tough for me to go back to this city to where I was booed. I knew I wasn't well liked, and I'm sitting there trying to understand it and reason with it as to why. When yet I gave you all I could give to be the best corner I could be. Now I'm not going to go out and shut down everybody on every single play, but I'm going to give you all that I have. I'm going to try to give you the best performance that I have for that Sunday. And, um, you know, having to deal with that just, it, it brought some problems throughout my life. But having to make that transition, um, I think it was just me being an athlete. I didn't think I was good at any particular sport. I, I mean, great at any particular sport. I just thought I was good at, at most things. I know I could play basketball. I knew I was good at track. And I know I was, you know, somewhat good at football. And, you know, you have things that you can apply uh, you can take from each sport to apply to one um, and use to your advantage, it helps. You know, I wasn't a big tackler. I, I didn't run faster than 4-4. Um, I wasn't as quick. I didn't have the best hands. But I could utilize whatever talents that I had to make me, you know, play the part of the corner that I'm assuming that the fans and the, the coaches of Kansas City thought I was. And can I can we go step back here now too for a moment? You know, you you talk about of uh, the something that I was actually baffled at my first NFL game shooting photos uh, for ESPN, and I was raised going to the USC football games every week with my family, and you never boo your team like that was just so tack, tactless and so 
just not right. And I heard those, and actually the Chargers are playing Kansas City Chiefs, um, and this is back in 2007, and people were, the Chargers fans were booing the Chargers. And um, it was really unsettling to me, you know, and as an athlete and as as just, I don't know. But now, moving forward, how have you been able to help current players, possibly, that are going through the same thing? Well, I know one thing that the coaches always try to tell you, if you're going to be a professional, if you're going to be an athlete, you got to have amnesia. You can't get caught up on one play, whether it was good or bad, to get you through the rest of the game. You, you play one play at a time, and once that play is done, you move on to the next. And so that's the thing that I tried to develop. But yet, you know, and it's, like I said, it was just tough for me because it was something I had never dealt with. Coming from Nebraska and coming from my high school, um, I wasn't on losing teams. Now, I didn't win any championships in football in high school, but it wasn't a losing program. And then I'm going straight from there to Nebraska to where, you know, you're the best in college football three out of the four years. And so um, our first year in Kansas City, I think we won four games. Mm-hmm. After that, I don't – I, I might have been two more than the year before. And, you know, Coach Ramil comes in and finally gets the team on a winning track. You know, and that's nothing against Marty and Gunther Cunningham, who was there beforehand. It's just, you know, things were just in a shamble at that time. And so I was just blending in, and all of a sudden I get a starting role on the team, and now the pressure mounts up. Then I get a uh, new contract, now the pressure is at an all-time high. So i got to perform at the highest and not give up any plays to cost my team a win. Uh, and it happens. And, you know... All I can do is go in the meeting rooms and get graded out and look at what I've done to, to prevent it for the next game. And and still, for the next game, you know something's going to happen. To you know, You're going to give up a play. You don't want to give up that game-winning play, but at times it happens. And so you just have to try to prepare yourself and uh, at best and, and go out, like I said, and just give the best you can on uh, that given day. Uh, and in return... Uh, <laughs> I developed some habits that, you know, kind of almost ruined my NFL career uh, with partying and drinking. So, um, and that's just one thing that came from it. I tried to prepare myself for it, couldn't do it, couldn't handle it. And. We all, we all have, life happens and we all have our own ways we go through it and our learning process as well. You know, and, and I need to let the fans tuning in right now that that year Dick Vermeil came in as well, 2003, nine straight wins, breaking Kansas City's record at the time and a 13-3 and record at, for the end of that year. Yeah. You know, and I, I honestly think we could have won the Super Bowl that year and it was just, you talk about bad timing, and we go into the playoffs, and it was against the Indianapolis Colts. Well, I had had back problems for like the previous three years in a row, and I was taking three epidurals a year just to get me through a season. And that season, when we were playing in the playoffs, um, I think my body was had taken enough beating and couldn't go on anymore. And so I actually missed the last game of the season, uh, which was against the Chicago Bears, and then we had a bye week. Mm-hmm. So we thought that was going to be enough rest for me um, to be prepared for the Colts. And it was not. And, you know, Peyton Manning throws a 500-plus yards. I mean, those 500 all, weren't all on me, but I'm a part of that secondary. And uh, that, that cost us... Um, what we thought we had was a Super Bowl that year. And then I ended up having back surgery that after that. Wow. No, that's, that's, I've had those steroid narcotic epidurals in my back and it's, uh, they have helped and, uh, back pain is no joke. Back pain is, uh, immobilizing. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I mean, 
but you can't. I mean, like you said, amnesia. <laughs> and I just said that wrong. Um, but there is, you know, and you also mentioned going back was tough because you had, it was a tough thing for you to go back. How, how, how were you received this weekend in Kansas City? You know what? I was completely shocked. I had, my eyes had welled up and, you know, I stepped out onto the field. Well, walking down that, walking down a little, uh, walkway, entering the field, um, the way we used to back in the days is what we went through. And I hear people yelling my name and saying good things, and I didn't hear one boo. It just it, it, it brought a warm feeling, and my eyes welled up. And I stepped out onto that field, and they yelled my name uh, across the the, big, the the speakers, and you know the, the fans cheered, and it just made me feel at home. Uh, it made me forget all that I had gone through um, with the negative, and um, I just I, I felt back at home again yeah and something pretty special going on there now since Andy Reid has been back there love what they're doing um now I know we lost to Houston Texas uh <laughs> I just I don't know I, I felt like in that game we couldn't yeah we were looking down the field too much instead of just getting the four or five yards here you know uh scramble here scramble there and let him uh, work his way into the game. I just felt like he was trying to make too many big throws down the field, wasn't very accurate, and couldn't and never got on track. Speaking of Alex Smith, mm-hmm. um, so not putting him down. Uh, it's just that one. Of, it, it happens that way. You know, coaches come out with a game plan that's already set for certain teams. So you just have to work your way into that. And I just felt like he never got comfortable that game. Um, you know, the defense came out a bit slow. Uh, you know, Marcus Peters kind of got got us back on track after, after his first interception, and uh, but yet I just don't feel like the offense ever got on track to get to get things going. But now, uh, I mean, I, I feel like it's a it's a team that that that's, that can be a force in the playoffs. Uh, we're not starting out slow this year. You know, we got our first win at the beginning of the season, and. Um, got one loss so we're sitting here two and one i'm just hoping that we can just continue week to week to get better and that one team that that beat that beat houston desperately <laughs> destroyed houston you actually oh you, you went to um and and really showed the world what a phenomenal coach he is if they had any uh if they didn't really already know it uh, but you had the opportunity also to go to New England and after Dick Vermeil too, you know, with Belichick there as well. Um, what was it like going into New England? I mean, I've heard just amazing things about that organization, just walking in there. I mean, in Kansas City as well has that specialness too. But can you share? You know, Kansas, mm-hmm. Kansas City was awesome. I, I, I can't take anything from it. You know, New England um, organization is just, on a different level, you know, starting at the top, you know, Robert Kraft, and, and I love Mr. Lamar Hunt. He came out for every uh, every week to, to speak to the players, shake hands, meet and greet. Um, he ran a, a, a great organization, uh, but it's just that over in New England, things were run a lot different. You know, uh, meetings weren't weren't as long. Uh, practices were sh- almost in, short in half. Um, but the knowledge that you get, the the way it it is taught to you, and for how they prepare the, the the players daily for the games is just completely different, and it keeps you rested, uh, keeps you uh, your body and in and, and more shape, you know, to take a beating, um, to where you can go out and play at a hundred percent whenever you're out on the field, uh, but. It's just amazing how he can have guys that are, I don't want to call them nobody because they're professional athletes and to be at that level, you have to be somebody. But to have a third-string quarterback, second-string quarterback, and as of, you know, And potentially the wide receiver. (laughs) Yeah, you're about to have your wide receiver go out there and play, and I'm had money on it that there was a chance that they still would have beaten who whoever it was that they played. It's just it's just amazing to see how he can put teams together, lose great players, and still go out and perform. 
well. I mean, it has to be that simple, I think. I've heard from players, do your job. That's what you do. You just do your job, you know, and you don't do more than your job. And if you're not doing your job, you don't have that job. I mean, I think it's that simple. And, um, I mean, the only player I know right now on that squad is Matt Slater, Um, you know, great guy. I know him from, uh, you know, from the off season, uh, working out with a lot of the players, a lot of the Packer players a few years back. But, you know, it's just, it's something very special there, you know. And the scary thing is, you know, or I knew, and I told my friends betting, I'm like, yeah, pa- Patriots are going to win. And they will, they will take out De- uh, uh, Hopkins, will be, won't, won't have six catches. They'll take him out of the equation, and they did. Yep. You know. Um, he, he has a way of doing that. He, he takes your strength and makes it your weakness. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you can't get to that, you're, you're taken out of your game, man. And you look, I mean, just look how he develops Pro Bowl guys after Pro Bowl guys. And when he gets rid of them and puts another guy in that position and they just become, and they become just as good as the guy before them. Yeah. No, it's, and he's, and he's doing, he's, and for people that don't know, he is also the GM. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He's getting those guys. That's why. So, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, we're running out of time and this has been so enjoyable. And I thank you so much for your time tonight, Eric. Um, you know, you, as I mentioned, you know, we all have adversity. You've been, you know, you've had some phenomenal coaches walk you, you know, in your, on your path. How have you been able to sort of get through adversity? What has helped you the most? Me the most, I, I think it's been my mom. My mom is a, is a strong, independent woman that has endured some of the most amazing things and still to this day, um, keeps a smile on her face this is big and you'd never know what adversity she's had and uh, or either either figure out how she overcame them but when i was in school she took on three of my good legal custody of them to raise her three kids with three other guys um and did an excellent job of doing so um so that that is kind of like that that is the person that i look to when things are bad for me, that is the, the person I look to when I know um, I need help. Um, she's been a great support system. Um, I've gotten off track uh, with things that I need to have done in my life, and that's been my own selfish um, act. But I know I would not be half the person I am today without her. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, Take us through walking, uh, going back home, walking into your mom's house and, on the 4th of July and seeing that portrait on her wall of you. <laughs> I'm still laughing at it. <laughs> I was completely shocked. And I'm like, I, I had to do a double take. And I'm like, what in the heck is this? And uh, there was a there's a, a guy from my hometown back back in Texarkana that followed me throughout sports. And uh, I guess he found a picture from... My Nebraska days, it was either my Nebraska or Kansas City days, I can't remember, and decided to paint it, you know, didn't didn't want to, he just wanted to paint a picture of me and give it to my mom, so it, it wasn't anything for me, it was just an appreciation um, that he had for the things that I had done with my, my life and to show his, you know, support, so I walk in, and I'm like, what in the heck is this, and she just smiles, she goes, you like it? And I'm like, I don't know if I should like it or not. Like, <laughs> I don't really know what I'm looking at. But I appreciate him. I, I appreciate him for putting in the time to do the work. But it, it was it's still a shocker to me. You know, that's really cool. I like that photo. Um, you know, uh, so but huge, huge thanks. We know we've gone over, but they, we've got it recording live. Uh, huge thanks to uh, PJ as well, who's recording tonight for me. Um, and huge thanks to you, Eric, for uh, making the time and sharing so much. You've got so much experience to share, and thanks so much for doing that with us tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. All right. Cool. And, and thank your wife as well for uh, shifting your schedule tonight. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. We just, <laughs> we just went to grab a burger. <laughs> right on. Well, have a wonderful rest of your week, and uh, thank you again, Eric, and I uh, look forward to talking right. to you soon. All right. Thank you very much. All right, cool. Thanks, you guys. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Again, I want to thank PJ for uh, for uh, recording as well as I keep going on and Michael Booker for making the time uh, to give me that quote on Eric. And also I want to thank um, Carl Watson 
for his time and texting me back. There was a few other guys that were going to be shooting me some texts um, for different uh, quotes, and uh, we didn't get those in the show. So huge thanks to you guys. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks, a lot of people are slated. I'll be posting stuff on Instagram at the Desiree underscore show, also on Twitter at Desiree underscore the Desiree underscore show on Twitter and Desiree underscore Astorga. This is Desiree Astorga. Thanks so much for tuning into the Desiree Show, where skateboarding and the NFL meet. First downs and flip tricks. You can follow at the Desiree Show on Instagram or on Facebook, or check me out on Twitter at the Desiree underscore show. Have a dynamite week, and I'm out. 